0: Warning. The program you're about to hear is absolutely filthy and thoroughly disgusting. Furthermore, listening to it will immediately turn you into a bottom. Bottom. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Watch me shove this beer can up my ass. I'm proud to declare The Adam Seng Show and his ass. Open to the wind. As open to the wind.
1: This is fuckery. This is all <laughs> fuckery.
0: Fuckery, fuckery, fuckery. Powered by DNR Studios. And now...
2: Give a warm round of applause to my friend and yours, Adam Sank.
0: Well, whoop-de-fucking-do. And welcome to the Adam Sank Show. I am COVID-free and we are back in the studio for the first time in a month. Live. We are live. If you're listening live at 11 a.m. Eastern Saturday, June 18th, the start of Pride Week here in New York City, 2022, DNR Studios or the DNR Cast app, the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. <laughs> Leave us your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, wherever else you listen. Email me, me, at adam at adamsank.com. Call and speak to us live on the Ass Hotline. The is 804-TALK-ASS. That's 804-825-5277. Like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page, there's been some growth there lately. Not of my penis, but of the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. Uh, Get your official ass merchandise at adamsank.com. JB is wearing his Adam Sank Show This Is Fuckery t-shirt today, and it looks very sharp on him. Uh, Please get vaccinated and boosted. And here on the ass, we stand with Ukraine. Our guest today is a, a returning favorite. I really adore this man. He's always been... Uh, Since I started in stand-up almost two decades ago, he's been kind of uh, someone I admire and look up to. It's Rick Crome. Uh, In addition to being a comedian, he's an actor, and he's currently appearing in the Sarah Silverman musical, The Bedwetter, which is uh, playing off-Broadway here in New York. Uh, Before we talk to him and do all the news, though, I need to introduce everyone's favorite chubby chorizo, my co-host, the chupacabras himself, Steve Cesaro. (laughs) Hello, everyone. It's so nice to be here. It's lovely
2: to see you. I haven't you seen know, you in a month. I know. Well, you left us and got COVID. And, uh, Not on purpose. I, uh, on purpose. You know, you went out. You made out with everybody. You're like, I'm going to get COVID
0: because I don't want to get COVID during Pride. That was actually what you were thinking. I mean, I wasn't mad about it. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't mad about the timing because it's much better that I get COVID or monkey pox or anything else I'm going to get Lord. before Pride <laughs> or during Pride.
2: So I do have to say... I was thinking about this. This is one of my drunk thoughts where you'd start to get, I get really grateful when I'm drunk. I'm like, my life is so good. Um, and you do so much work on this podcast and I think I've texted you that like a million times this week, but, you know, it's hard sitting in that chair. I could barely spit out your email last week because I was so nervous. You're very sweet. But JB was very supportive. You know, he made sure to tickle mm. my balls and give me the support that You're I needed. very small balls. My very small suggestions. Um, so we made it happen. JB was awesome last week um, as the moral support to both of our love stories. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard sitting in that seat, and I'm grateful that ch- chatting with Chubby Chorizo only had one iteration, and we don't need to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> you did
0: great. Uh, you both did great, and I apologize for not being here. The, um, the interview, the audio on the interviews was so bad. I apologize to the listeners. I had to redo the Drew Droege, um episode. Oh, I have news about that, by the right. way. Should I tell you guys now?
2: Uh sh- Sure.
0: This is sort of exciting. So when Drew <gasps> oh, right. was on the show, he mentioned that he was writing this new play called Messy White Gaze. And I sort of half jokingly, half seriously said like, hey, put me in it. Well, I don't know if he wants this announced, but he <laughs> he's doing a reading of the play um, during uh, right after Pride, the Monday after Pride, a week from this Monday. And he put me in the play. He put Yay. me in the reading. I'm the star. She's a star, baby. She's crazy. a star. It's crazy. I don't have Yes Queen on this side. Can you press Good. the Yes
1: Queen? Oh, you shady bitch. <laughs> there. Yes, oh, Queen. Uh,
0: so, yeah. So, thank you to him. And uh, I'm sure, you know, this is not a public reading. This is just so he can hear it and, and mm. listen to the uh, script. But I'm flattered and thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, by the way, JB is here, the queen of fuckery. Hi. Wearing his fuckery tee. Yes. How I'm are saying, you, JB? How's your kitty? Uh,
1: she She's <laughs> at a phase where she's assaulting me now. <sighs> like, yeah. So, <laughs> <Shade>. <laughs> that is some
2: crime happening and, in that apartment.
1: Yeah, and she has like midnight zoomies. So perfect. example, I usually stay up with her and we play all, all morning until she gets tired and falls asleep.
0: Put your but, mouth against the mic. When but you last to night, it was
1: different because I had to go to bed, wake up early to come here. And she was not happy. So she kept me up for like Two hours extra that I didn't want it to be because she was zooming all over, jumped on my bed, my bed's like four feet high off the ground, makes a perfect jump on bed and attacks my feet. <laughs> just attacks my feet. And then I tell her no. I put my head put my head on her head. She then attacks my head. I'm just like ah Then this one time I actually fell asleep. She got in, climbed on my climbed on the windows on, on the curtains of my window and now on top of it, and then fell on my face.
0: Now, I love animals, and I would never hurt an animal, but if that happened to me while I was sleeping, I might have to throw the cat out the window. That is, like, so fucking demonic.
1: It it, it was. It was a little demoralizing. So I I had to yell at her. She ran, and I closed my door. I was like, you're done.
2: I'm questioning the energy of this apartment. First
1: flies, now a psychotic kitty. What's next? Uh, You know, I I think the last (laughs) residence that was in my apartment probably died. Someone had to die because there's weird shit happening. You have ghosts.
2: Yeah, and I'm
1: not okay with it. Is this the one where you can't open the windows? Yes.
2: See? Yes. It's true. Did I ever tell you about my story? I know we're getting off topic. At the Belasco <laughs> Theater, it's haunted when I was working there. I think you did. So I'll, I'll keep it quick. So uh, everyone knows it's haunted and you can go up into Belasco's apartment, which was above uh, the theater. It's still it's beautiful um, and also run down. But uh, we were doing this one show and all of a sudden all the stage lights, uh, this is during Golden Boy, all the stage lights went red. And then there was a guy who all of a sudden got locked into his room, and he couldn't get out. He also tried calling people, and his cell phone couldn't, wasn't working to, like, someone come let him out. His cue was about to come on. So what he had to do to make his cue is he actually climbed out onto the fire escape, jumped over to the next fire escape oh to God. the next room to make it down. And when he made it downstairs, all the lights went back up to normal again.
0: Wow. Crazy. That's Alaska like a Theater. scene from a movie. All right. Let's quickly do uh, recommended viewing. Take it away, Gail.
3: I hate this segment. Who gives a fuck what anyone else is watching on TV? This shit sucks.
0: Um, I've got three again. Sorry, Gail. Uh, The first one, (laughs) uh, I'm a little behind the eight ball here in recommending this, but it's uh, Fire Island, the uh, Joel Kim Booster, Bowen Yang movie that is currently streaming on Hulu. Uh, Obviously, it takes place on Fire Island. A group of friends spend the week there. Um, The main characters are Asian-American making this a landmark movie for uh, queer Asian-American representation. Um, Joel Kim Booster, who's a comedian, turns out to be a really good actor and uh, super hot, as does uh, his uh, love interest in the movie Conrad Ricamora, who I remember seeing on um, How to Get Away with Murder, Mm -hmm. the Viola Davis show, and I thought he was really sexy on that show, too. It's not a perfect movie, but it's like a silly, raunchy, fun, gay sex comedy Um, The likes of which we really haven't seen. The closest thing I could compare it to would be like the Broken Hearts Club from Mm -hmm. the early two thousands, but that that wasn't nearly as fun as this. Um, And there's you know there's a lot of uh, there's some commentary on racism and classism, and it's it they don't hit you over the head with it, but they make a point. And uh, I think it's a great movie to stream during Pride. The second is Legendary, season three on HBO Max. This is the ballroom house uh, competition, all these different houses competing for the trophy. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed that this season, Laomi and Law, two of the judges, seem to just be trying to be as cunty as possible. They've gotten kind of nasty to some of the the houses, and it's disrespectful. However, the performances from the houses and the houses themselves are... Uh fascinating, heartwarming, amazing. It's really like it, it's a show that makes me happy to watch. And um Deshaun Wesley, the host, is I think the best reality TV host in the business. Uh and finally, I'm recommending an Instagram account. What? <laughs> One of our listeners runs an account called Jopher Arts After Dark. That's J J-O-E-F-E-R Arts After Dark on Instagram. And the entire account consists of his pencil drawings of dicks that he draws from photographs. And you may or may not see a drawing of my penis. Yay! (laughs) When you go to Joe for After Arts on Instagram. Excuse me, Joe for Arts Arts. After Dark on Instagram. So those are my recommendations. JB, you next. Uh, Okay, so I have two. I have one,
1: a Japanese animation that you can find on crunchyroll.com. It's free with ads. Uh, it's Digimon Ghost Games. It took my childhood show Digimon and turned it real dark, and I appreciate it. Really do. And the second one is Superheroes Young Justice Season 4, which actually it dealt with a lot with identity, and it's really good. And you guys Where is watch that? It. Oh, that's on HBO Max. I was like, wow.
0: I feel like JB only watches the children's section of HBO Max. Oh, I mean. (laughs) But I know lots of adults enjoy the shows you enjoy.
2: It says kids account, and it says JB, and he just clicks kids account. Um, (laughs) I picture
0: this little picture of JB as a baby. Like, that's his icon, his avatar. (laughs) We are in a mood today. No, listen. I know there are listeners who watch what you watch. I'm just not one of them. Yeah, okay. that's fine. <laughs> Shame. All right, Steve. Um, so I, I will
2: also go to HBO Max, and I love The Flight Attendant. I keep forgetting to talk about it. Yeah. But this is the second season. It stars Kaylee Cuoco. That's how you say her name, right? Uh,
0: C- Cuoco. Maybe. Cuoco,
2: yeah. Um, but the synopsis is, <clears throat> a flight attendant's life gets turned upside down after she wakes up in a hotel room with a dead man, but with no memory of what happened. And that's basically, that's, that's it. That's the first season. The second season is a little bit more um what happens afterwards. Um it's funny. The second season is actually Are you watching it? I
0: watched most of the first season and yeah. I started it started to exhaust me. Sometimes those that genre Yeah. uh I find myself just I'm like this is too much work. I don't care anymore. Oh, I like the thriller part of it where I'm trying to figure out what the mystery is.
2: It's it's dark I do comedy. like that it's a comedy thriller. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the second one gets real. She, she talks about her alcoholism, she talks about the struggles with her mom while still you know solving this mystery. Um, but it's there is a really good, I think Emmy winning performance uh, close to the end of the flight attendant where like I was so uncomfortable but was like just stuck in my seat listening to this scene where she's talking to her mom about her alcoholism and where it all comes from.
0: Uh, so. Sorry, listeners. Lady is in the studio today. Sorry, Lane. Uh, apparently, our guest is very early. Yes, I apologize to Lane. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I love it. All right, thank you, Steve. Yeah. We will. <laughs> She's so loud. We will uh, go into our first story, which was going to be about the Tonys, but then we had uh, breaking news uh, yesterday, which is that pres- actually on Wednesday, which is that President Biden signed a sweeping executive order that expands LGBTQ rights. Yay. He did this, obviously, during Pride Month. Um, This mandate directs the U.S. Departments of Health and Human Services, education, and other agencies to develop policies that will counter all of the anti-LGBTQ laws that are being enacted in states across the country, including Florida's notorious Don't Say Gay law. Uh, The order also creates a Bill of Rights for LGBTQI+, older adults,
3: within the Health
0: and Human Services Department that will prohibit the use of federal funds to support... Oh, I think this is two separate things. One supports older queer adults. The other one prohibits federal funds to support conversion therapy.
2: Uh, Wait, what? uh, The government was supporting
0: conversion therapy? Apparently... I I don't know is the answer. But apparently um, there might be states that are using federal funds to back... um, Health programs and doctors that actually practice conversion therapy it 's banned in a lot of states, but some states yeah. still do it. Um, Biden specifically mocked Florida lawmakers who backed the don 't say gay law, noting that they 're going after Mickey Mouse for god 's sake. He also noted that upwards of three hundred anti lgBTq bills have been introduced across the country um, j b whenever you 're ready i 'll play the uh, we 'll play the soundbite of President Biden. Um, He also noted the arrests and increased violence against transgender women of color and other vulnerable LGBTQ people.
3: My message to all the young people, just be you. You are loved. You are heard. You are understood. You do belong. And I want you to know that as your president, all of us on this stage have your back. We have your back. Today, I'm about to sign an executive order that directs key federal agencies to protect our communities from those hateful attacks and advance equality for families. My order — my order will use the full force of the federal government to prevent inhumane practices of conversion therapy. This is the first time —— this is the first time — The federal government is leaving a coordinated response against this dangerous discredited practice.
0: You know, there's only so much that the federal government and and the Biden administration can do, but it's symbolic. Lady, stop. Sorry. It's symbolically very important. You know, I remember when George W. Bush was in office and I remember the day he held a White House press conference. Uh, not a press conference, an Oval Office news conference, to announce that he was backing an amendment to the Constitution to ban LGBTQ marriage. Yeah. When the President of the United States uses his office and his bully pulpit to come out for or against LGBTQ rights, that has a huge impact on the country and on the way people see um, this struggle. And it's very important to young people around the country who are watching. So, uh, once again, I'm grateful that he is our president. He is not perfect. He is too old. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what the fuck's going on with Kamala Harris. We never see her. They've got her locked away in a bunker. But it is a thousand times better than the alternative and any Republican alternative right now.
2: I would agree. I'm I'm just really excited that, you know, it seems like he's starting to get angrier in his old age. And so things that bother him are that he talked about before in, in when he was running that he's actually doing them now and just saying fuck it I don't care what anyone's going to do I don't care I'm just going to start taking care of my own business and doing it my own way. Well,
0: and this is what Democrats should be doing. They yeah. should they should stop trying to please the middle. Like you were elected by the people who support LGBTQ rights, support abortion rights, want sensible gun yeah. control, fucking act like it. Stand up, do what you were d- elected to do and you'll get reelected. Yeah. Um Okay, moving on to the Tony's. Did you both watch? I did.
1: Uh, I'm not that kind of gay. I don't have cable.
0: Oh. Well, you don't Paramount need cable Plus. to watch CBS. Oh, it's on CBS? The 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 main show was on CBS. Oh, there was one hour that was Paramount on Paramount+. Plus. Plus. Well, you can watch the okay, first great. hour then, yeah.
1: too. Well, so then I will watch it then.
0: Um, I thought it was fine. Yeah. I, I will say this. There's a reason that comedians traditionally have been asked to host award shows, and it is because we know how to work a crowd and make people laugh. Ariana DuBose is stunningly talented, a wonderful actress and singer, and a lovely person, but she is not funny. And if you choose people like her to host award shows, award shows will be humorless, particularly when you're trying so hard not to offend anyone. Yes, And for me, the highlight was when Billy Crystal came out and did his stupid Yiddish (laughs) scatting. That was hilarious and got the room going. And it reminded me why people like Billy Crystal used to host award shows. Yeah. Because they know how to.
2: What's so funny, I went to go see that show. um, Well, obviously, I see all the shows. but um, And he was so fun. And when he did that, I, I sort of had this impression of Billy Crystal where I didn't think I would enjoy watching that type of comedy. But to your point... He is so good at making the crowd follow you and be with you and join with you and whatever you're feeling that it could have been a shitty show. You still wanted to see what he was doing because it was so funny and honest and real and felt like he was doing it as it was happening. And
0: there's a little edge. Yeah. Yet there's a little bit of, uh-oh, what's happening now? Exactly. That's what you want. Yeah.
2: So it was it was great. And then he did it again on TV, which I know he's also a TV person, but he was able to pick up that entire lagging show And do it on TV with thousands of people watching or even people in my living room were singing along with him when he pointed at the the crowd to sing along with him. So he's just great. Well, the big
0: news out of the Tonys was that um, A Strange Loop won Best Musical, Best New Musical. And with that win, Jennifer Hudson became an EGOT and RuPaul became an E.T. Now, what does that mean? Jennifer Hudson and RuPaul were both producers of *A Strange Loop*, along with apparently every other celebrity in America. <laughs> they have a lot of producers. Stage was and very crowded. Jennifer had already won an Oscar, an Emmy, and a Grammy, so now she has become one of the 17 people in the world to have achieved all four major awards. And RuPaul, who already had an Emmy, is now an ET, uh, winning a Tony for this. Now, my feeling—and not to take anything away from RuPaul or Jennifer I know what Hudson. You're if you win for producing something, especially when you're a celebrity, and it really just means you're adding your name and some money, mm-hmm. I don't think it really counts. Well, we'd have to know like what level of producer they're at. Like, did they have creative? You know, what do you think? I you don't think know. RuPaul was backstage uh, making decisions on a strange loop.
1: Well, the costume maybe Jennifer Hudson. I can see her doing it.
0: I think they're both too busy, frankly.
1: Yeah. What's she doing? <laughs> She's
0: busy doing what exactly? Things. Signing, signing things and writing checks. <laughs> she, Hudson is the third youngest person to become uh, an EGOT. She's only the second black woman and the third black person. Mm-hmm. The, other, uh, the man who won an EGOT is uh, John Legend. Whoopi Goldberg is the other black woman. Um, also, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I had this interesting fact here as to how many of them, how many EGOTs actually won all four awards for performing there's very few, but this is how this printed out. So I can't oh, no. oh, I don't have that. A- uh, I think it's like only four or five of them. Rita Marano is one. But, uh, but yeah, most Egots won at least one of their awards for being a producer. So, not to take anything away from producers, they're important, but come on. Such I will a totally shady. print you a new page. Uh, <laughs> congratulations to J Hud and RuPaul uh, and A Strange Loop, which I have not yet seen, but I'm dying to. Uh, nice. Other big LGBTQ news this week was that actress Rebel Wilson came out of a closet. I love her. I do too. I think she's incredible. She came out on Instagram showing pictures of her and her girlfriend, and everyone was all happy. And then the news changed, and it became that she was apparently outed or threatened to be outed by an Australian journalist named Andrew Hornery. <laughs> 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 He worked for the Sydney Morning Herald. He, I guess, had been writing a story in which he might disclose her sexuality. So he reached out to her and asked the question like, hey, are you gay and is this your girlfriend? And in response, she decided to publicly come out. And there's been all this discussion this week about how evil it was for this journalist in this newspaper to invade her privacy and threaten her with outing. And Whoopi Goldberg talked about it on The View. And I sort of have a different opinion. I'm like, it's 2022. Is it really that big a fucking deal to ask a celebrity if they're gay? Yeah. Especially when they've been posting pictures of themselves and their partner on Instagram? It's sort of
2: like what I said, like if you're just a normal person, then, I mean, you don't ask a straight or you don't ask a straight person, is it okay that I out you as straight? So why would you, you know, if right. there isn't any, Let I me. Mean, I take part of that back. If you're not hurting someone's safety or putting their safety in jeopardy and, and it's a place like Australia or the U.S. where it's not that big of a deal anymore in most places, then what harm is it going to do? And we just had this conversation too, like two uh, two weeks ago. About, um, you know,
0: Joel Grey not being able to come out. Right. There was certainly a time when this would have ruined someone's career. But look at Kristen Stewart, who's an actual movie star. Like, let's be honest. Rebel Wilson's fabulous. She's a great character actress. But Kristen Stewart's a fucking movie star. Yeah. Did coming out hurt her career? No. She's like hotter than ever now. Yeah. I, I And also, he didn't out her. He asked her a question in that's private. I'm like getting lost in the details.
2: Cause I'm like, wait a second. If he asked her and just asked to confirm, that's not threatening. That's just asking a question.
0: Well, now he's issued an apology and the paper says they're rethinking their policy. I just think uh, we have to stop treating being gay like it's a dirty little secret. It's yeah. really not that big a fucking deal. And I, I, in principle, I understand people should come out when they're ready or not. Yeah. And it's nobody else's business. At the same time, we scrutinize all of our straight celebrities in terms of their private yeah. lives, who they're fucking, who they're marrying, who they're divorcing. I don't see why we have to treat gay celebrities any differently.
2: Adam, who are you fucking?
0: I mean, nobody <laughs> at the moment. I have to be honest with you. I have a hemorrhoid right now, so How nobody's kind? fucking me. <laughs> Sad to say. Oh I can't find this information and I give up. That's oh, here we go. Only four people have won their EGOT for only performing. And those people are Helen Hayes, she, she, yeah. Rita Moreno, Sir John Gielgud, and Audrey Hepburn. Oh. Muy interesante.
2: That's such a lovely
0: accent. Thank you. It's yeah. my, casta- my castellano. Okay. In other news, a new study, and this was in the New York Times, a new study finds that the number of young people identifying as trans is sharply up. Yeah. This is based on government health surveys conducted from 2017 to 2020. We're still talking about tiny numbers. The study estimated that 1.4% of 13 to 17-year-olds and 1.3% of 18 to 24-year-olds identify as trans. That's compared with only about half a percent of all adults. Um There's all kinds of speculation as to why these numbers are up. I think... It's clear to me anyway that it's not that there are more trans people now. It's that there are more people who understand what trans means, mm-hmm. understand that they are trans, and are willing to come out because they feel safer to do so.
2: That would be my sort of take on it. Is to, especially I'd be curious to see where these people are located in the country, um, you know, what their age is, and also uh, what made them feel safe enough to come out. Um And then I'd want to see another study, like an official study of like what people would actually medically be considered a person that's trans if there, if there is a stat, um, or would potentially be in a group of people. Like, what is it? One in four are gay, or could potentially be gay. Isn't that the stat? So what would be trans? Wait, where did you hear that? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> that's just my hope. <laughs> maybe in New York City.
0: Maybe, <laughs> maybe in my neighborhood. I'm, I'm going to look right one now. One in four. Is it one in four? One in ten is, is one, in one ten? that's been typically uh, stated, and even that's probably an overstatement as far as out yeah. gay people. But um, but definitely the numbers have gone up as acceptance and, and awareness has increased. Um What's interesting right now is, you know, we talked earlier in the show about all these Republican states that are coming out with these repressive anti-gay and especially anti-trans laws. They're trying to forbid doctors from prescribing um, gender-confirming hormones to trans kids and basically make it harder to be a trans child. Yeah, And I think it's backfiring. I think what's actually happening is it's causing this discussion among people who normally wouldn't even think about what being trans is. Yeah. And kids are hearing this and their parents are hearing this and they're saying, you know what? I think this might sound like me. Yeah, that makes sense. Then you have all the non-binary people. Where do they fit in? Like, Do, do they identify as trans? Some do, some don't. Yeah. It's all confusing. I think we're just moving toward a genderless society interesting, where it's going to become less and less important to make these distinctions... Yeah. Uh, in the same way, it was once very important to distinguish whether women were married or unmarried, because if they were unmarried, they were Miss, and if they were married, they were uh, Misses. Right. And now yeah. they're all just Miss, and we yeah. don't give a fuck. No, that doesn't. That's not part of their identity. <laughs> I think that's where we're headed with gender.
2: I did fact check myself, and uh, NPR says one in ten. So you were right. So well, if
0: NPR says it, I believe it.
2: NP- well, I'm trying to think. Middle of the road. uh, Washington Post says one in six Gen Z consider themselves LGBTQ. Hmm.
0: See, so I was getting closer to my... Thank you for your research. You're welcome. By the way, New York (laughs) has the largest estimated population of trans teenagers at 3%, whereas Wyoming has the lowest at 0.6%. However, they do have the highest percentage of transgender cows. (laughs) Aren't there like more cows than people in Wyoming? (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Uh, uh, I now identify as a cow <laughs> Moo Moo bitch <laughs> No it's
0: a moo, a moo. <laughs> Isn't there a cow on the soundboard? We keep meaning to add a cow Oh thank you JB <laughs> Oh that's uh, Milking Coach Coming in for a special appearance <laughs> 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 Milking Coach has become my Instagram friend He frequently comments on my posts. Oh, wow. Shout out to Milking Coach uh, the adolescent numbers were based on surveys collected in 15 states, by the way. So even that's just yeah. a representative sampling. Meanwhile, in Massachusetts, uh, their likely next governor is a lesbian. Lesbian?
1: Yes, sir. Go off.
0: Not Lebanese, Blanche. Lesbian. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm so happy you got what I, where that was coming <laughs> from. Of course I did. What do you think? <laughs> you think I'm straight? Sometimes. Maura Healy <sighs> is her name. She's the Democratic con- contender to become the next governor of Massachusetts. By securing her party's nomination in the primary, she would be the first out lesbian governor elected in the United States. But, and it's a big but, there's already a bisexual governor and a gay male governor. Did you guys know that? I did not. No. Uh, Higginlooper in Colorado is openly gay. Oh, no. Did I get that right? Uh, Sorry. Uh, Governor Jared Polis became the first openly gay man elected to governor in 2018, um. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're doing great Oregon already had an LGBTQ person serving as governor Their current governor, Kate Brown, is bisexual
2: And oh, Tammy
0: Baldwin, Brown. of course, became the first out lesbian elected to the Senate uh, in to- to- 2012 So it's kind of weird that there yeah. hasn't been a lesbian Um, But there is now. So congratulations to Massachusetts and Maura Healy. I think Maura is like the perfect lesbian name. It really
2: is. Maura. I picture like this. I don't know what she looks like. Like short, (laughs) ugly Bob. Some very unmade (laughs) up. How dare you? (laughs)
0: Shade. All of the lesbians listening just... uh, Announced a boycott of yeah, our show.
2: No, here. I'm sorry. I love all. Thank you, to the lesbians, for the things that you've done and for making sure you kick people's. We
0: butts. have some gorgeous lesbians on this yeah. uh, channel. Yeah. DNR Studios. Yeah. Uh, most of our, I would say, all of our lesbian hosts are quite glamorous. I guess I should say, except if your name for is Romaine. Is Romaine. Romaine is a pretty typical lesbian. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Romaine, if you're listening, she knows. She's a, she's a she's a butch. Um, meanwhile, uh, we keep talking about Florida and this don't say gay law. And this really smart kid, Xander Moritz, was his high school's um, speaker, his graduation speaker, and he's gay. And he gave his speech, and he obviously couldn't say gay, and the school made it clear that he couldn't talk about being gay in his speech. So here's what he did. Take a listen.
4: That is why I must discuss a very public part of my identity. This characteristic has probably become the first thing you think of when you think of me as a human being. As you know, I have curly hair. I used to hate my curls I spent mornings and nights embarrassed of them trying desperately to straighten this part of who I am but the daily damage of trying to fix myself became too much to endure so while having curly hair in Florida is difficult due to the humidity I decided to be proud of who I was and started coming to school as my authentic self here It was Miss Ballard who answered my questions because I didn't have other curly-haired people to talk to. It was Mr. Pauling who read essays about curls costing me an opportunity that I had really wanted. It was my friends that told me that curls look good on me and that I should stop hiding them. It was a messy and twisted growth process, but eventually I did. It's because of the love I've drawn from this community that I came out to my family. Now I'm happy with them. Now I'm happy. And that is what is at stake.
0: Brilliant. Wow. Poignant, clever, funny. I love him. Congratulations. Um, We're going to quickly go to the Natalia update because I've been teasing this all week. And I don't think we're going to have time for the Chupacabra story, but we can do Natalia. So hit it, JB. JB. Is she a sweet, young, lovable orphan? Or is she an evil dwarf in disguise? Time now for your Natalia update. Now, if you haven't been listening to our show for years, you may not know what the hell this is, but you, <laughs> we used to talk about this story a lot. Natalia Grace was a Ukrainian orphan who was adopted by an American couple, Michael and Christine Bennett. Um, but eventually, they abandoned her. They basically stuck this child in her own apartment and said, you live here now, and then they all moved to Canada. (laughs) They claim it's because she wasn't really a child, but rather an evil dwarf uh, pretending to be a child who terrorized the family, hiding knives under the bed, smearing blood on the walls, threatening them, putting like bleach in their coffee, all kinds of crazy shit. Um, And so there was all this question as to how old Natalia actually was. Uh, Natalia was eventually adopted by a another family, a Christian family, that took her in and says they've had no problems with her. They believe that she is a dwarf and a child and not evil or an adult. Um, but there was this question as to what's going to happen to the Barnets. Initially, they were accused of abandonment of a child, abandonment and neglect. They claimed she's not a child. Therefore, they didn't commit a crime. Well, this is very strange, but here's what's happening now. They had her age legally changed. They basically had a court declare her as an adult before they abandoned her. What? And because they did that, they cannot be charged with abandoning a child. No. This seems crazy to me because I feel like what's to stop any parents from taking their unruly kid and being like, uh, your age is now 18, bye bye. <laughs> However, they can be charged. With abandoning a disabled person who needed their care because she's a yeah. dwarf and she has trouble walking, and they basically just left her to live by herself in this apartment. Uh, the couple's now divorced, by the way. This has taken a strain on their marriage. They face several counts of God. neglect of a dependent, including allegations that they abandoned their daughter in an unfamiliar city and left the country. <laughs> What's more, most fucked up about this is they have a son named Jacob who was like a child prodigy and went to college at age right. 12. And the mother wrote a book called The Spark, A Mother's Story of Nurturing Genius. Oh, my God. <laughs> Some nurturer. So we will uh, keep you updated on any further developments. That actually happened back in February, this story, but uh, I didn't see it until now. And now it's time for our guest segment. Our guest today is a returning champion to the ass Although he hasn't been on the show since 2017, oh my
3: God, has he, it been that long? It's been a while.
0: Oh my God. He's an acclaimed comedian and actor whose list of TV and film credits is even longer than his cock.
3: <laughs>
0: He's currently—that's st- how I
3: got the credits. That's right. <laughs> He's
0: currently starring in Sarah Silverman's off-Broadway show, The Bedwetter. Please give a warm ass welcome to Rick Chrome.
3: Oh, thank you very much, everybody. Please,
0: Rick. I'm sorry that my dog attacked you. On your entrance. But this
3: lovely, this lovely doggie. She's now lying at your feet. I know. I, I love dogs. I, I, I don't have a dog now, but I've had, I've had two. And, yeah. Uh,
0: I've heard they, about your dogs.
3: They, they change your life.
0: Can you believe it's been five years since we sat down together? Yes. I don't think I've I, even seen you in well, that time.
3: Well, two years don't count because we had two years That's off right. from life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The uh, last time we had you on, uh, you were doing that. Uh, you were promoting the documentary about you.
3: Yes. Oh, my God, yes. That was, let's see. 20- 2017. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, later, like November of, of 2017. You had a,
0: a nubile actually. young assistant with you at the time, I believe. Did I? I believe. Some yeah. young man.
3: <laughs> Rick, you I,
0: appeared on Broadway in the Goodbye Girl, Footloose, and You're in Town.
3: That is correct, sir.
0: And then I saw you post on Facebook last week that The Bedwetter is your first musical in 20
3: years. What's yes. it, what
0: what's to what, account for that? What's gap? up with that? Yeah,
3: because because show business, so I mean, uh, I did first of all, can we just point out that I've gone from urine town to the bedwetter? <laughs> yes, I did <laughs> I, notice that <laughs> I'm on the urinary track, as I say. That's uh, there's a
0: central theme to your roles,
3: That's right. you know, I think that uh, it's a strange thing. I uh, musicals. Broadway, that's what I, I wanted to do in addition to doing, you know, I do a lot of different things as a songwriter and as a as a comedian. Uh, but Broadway was certainly something that I wanted to continue doing as much as I could. Uh, and then I think, um, you know, I, I would audition and audition and then suddenly, uh, you know, I wasn't getting cast. And I think I, I got uh, distracted by other things like uh, doing more film and TV and then teaching It's and, weird to me, know,
0: though, because you have this sort of gravitas about you. I feel like if you had been on SNL, as you should have, I feel like you... Couldn't
3: get an audition.
0: Yeah, see, that shocks me, too, because I That's feel right. like you would have been like audition. a Phil Hartman. You would have been someone um, who was in every yeah. sketch, who sort of carried every sketch, was the utility player, you know, never fucked up a line. You have that sort of professionalism about you. So I would think after being in those three shows, you would have been in demand,
3: you know it's it's weird. I I I can't explain it. You know, I would audition and uh and things for that particular season and nothing would be there. And, yeah. And, you know, I I don't know. I So I, how so how do I, you I, what I am so up... glad to be back. In right. The so theater. how did you get back? Did, well, do you know Sarah? I have known Sarah Silverman since she was like 20 years old. She was one of my uh you know I used to host late night at uh, the cellar and, mm-hmm. and mm. uh, the late eighties, I think is when she, she showed up. And uh, so she would be one of the late nighters hanging out in the back of the room. But see, back then it was, it was so much fun because you, you have people, I mean this comedy cellar was not what it is today. Yeah. You know, it was just a small little club and not everybody in New York wanted to be a comedian. You know, so we'd have hanging out in the back, these young kids like Dave Attell and Jim Gaffigan and Sarah Silverman. And, and they were, mm. you know, and they all had like five jokes each. And, uh, that's how I knew Sarah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, she went off and became a star. Right. And, and then, uh, we, I think we reconnected when we started doing uh, the Louis show together. Oh, right. Many years later. And, uh, But in terms of getting into this show, I just showed up at the audition and I think she was surprised to see me. And so I had to work to get the part. Everybody goes like, oh, you got the part because Sarah. Right. I would think
0: she would say say, I've got this role that Rick Crone would be perfect for.
3: Well, you know, honestly, I don't know if she didn't say that. She may have told them to have my agent call me in. But we haven't had that conversation yet.
0: (laughs) So I, as far as you know, this was just a well, cold audition. Agent.
3: Well, I asked my agent, and of course, the agent was like, oh, "Of course, no! I sent you out for this. Right. No, you don't it was know. It was if that's completely true, my yet. idea. Mm-hmm. You know." So,
0: like, what's it been like being back on the stage? Glorious, yeah,
3: astoundingly glorious. Working with all these talented people, these Broadway types. I'm working with B.B. Newworth for God's sake! Amazing. B.B. and Casey Levy, and mm-hmm. and uh, Darren Goldstein, and and just all the uh, Ashley Blanchett and and. Uh, Ellen uh, Marsh, Ellen Marsh. I mean, all of these big Broadway names, and just to be in, just to be in the company of these mega talents, is uh, I don't know. I just feel re-nourished.
0: That's awesome. You know, it's you it's, play more than one role in the play.
3: Oh, I play about eight roles.
0: And one seven. of seven. One of them is Johnny Carson.
3: One of them is Johnny Carson.
0: Now, had you done Johnny before in your act?
3: I had been doing Johnny since I was a teenager. All
0: right, you, you got to give us some Johnny.
3: Well, you know, Johnny Carson. Most people do Johnny Carson like this; they do it way high, you know, like it, Dana Carvey did it. Dana Carvey does it way up here, you know, which is just—it's not—it's—it's it's like Johnny Carson is a dwarf, <laughs> and being abandoned by his parents, you know. Ah, uh, but but most people realize uh, Johnny Carson had this low, this low uh, wave speaking. So my uh, my next guest is a very—it um, it was so cold. Uh, in Hollywood today... You,
0: How cold was it?
3: I saw a dog frozen into a fire hydrant. That is... Uh, <laughs> That's and perfect. And that is cold. So, you know, That's perfect. That's uh, really good. <laughs> For this hour of the morning. Does yeah. the audience go crazy when you do it? The old people do. <laughs> and, and the people 40 years old and younger have no clue what I'm doing. They, That's so funny. They,
2: yeah. I'm 40 years and younger, uh, younger, and I, uh, I understood what it was. It was great.
0: yeah, oh. yeah but you're kind of like hip to a yeah, lot of hip. things old. that the old folks like. You know,
2: I know <laughs> nothing about the children. I just know about the old people. <laughs> people like, <laughs> but it was great. But jo- you know, Johnny
3: Carson has been off the air for 30 years. That is crazy. He's been to off me. the show as long as he did the show. Amazing. But you know uh, i 've I mean, heard it's, been dead a little i 've
0: heard it said that when comedians do johnny 's voice they 're doing Dana Carvey doing Johnny, and I feel like you 're oh. bringing back like the authentic i 'm doing,
3: doing rich littles right, Rich little was the first one to do uh Johnny Carson
0: yeah and, I remember his um a Christmas Carol special on h b o where he played every character, Plato, and one of the them was Johnny yeah. you uh years ago you wrote a Bonnie and Clyde musical. Yes. With Hunter Foster. With Hunter Foster. Who lives across the hall from me. I know. Still does. Went to college with me. Yes, yes. He and his lovely wife, Jen. They've been on the show. Um,
3: and by the way, you mentioned Jen. Yes. I have to mention that in the bedwetter, I'm getting to use the time step that Jen Cody taught me.
0: In town.: in,
3: No, in, in the bedwetter. Oh, oh she taught <laughs> she it to taught me in your She taught it in, bed, your bed, t- right, in Well, that's a
0: very special homage to me. Yes, it really is. Um, Your musical was written around the time that the other Bonnie and Clyde musical was written, but that one made it to Broadway. What the fuck happened to yours, and why were there two at the same time? It's very confusing to me.
3: Well, I I don't know. We started writing ours, I think, in in the year 2000, somewhere around there. Yeah,
0: 2007, I think, is when you started it, according to what I read.
3: No, that's when we first started doing production oh. of it. I think we, we won the nymph with it in uh, uh, 2008, 2002. I don't know, about 20 years ago. I don't know why these things happen where there are two musicals at the same time. You know, It reminds me of The Wild Party. There were two yes. exactly at yeah. the same time.
0: Which is really but, obscure material.
3: Uh, yeah. Uh, and ours was... Uh, kind of a musical comedy version of what would happen if you were telling the story of Bonnie and Clyde in a like a festival where they did this. And we, we, did the, uh, we did it down at the Aurora Theater Company in Atlanta in 2012. Mm-hmm. And uh, by that time, Lonnie Price was directing, and it was called uh, Clyde and Bonnie, a folktale. Clyde and, and Bonnie? Uh, Clyde and Bonnie, just because... You had to distinguish it. We had to distinguish it. So, so, does the fact so, that the other
0: one made it to Broadway, although it didn't run very long, does that kill yours from ever? It m- certainly did forward? at
3: the time. At the time, it did. It was ten years ago, so it you know the investors were that subject material would probably you know because it didn't do well. Uh, who's going to throw more money after a Bonnie and Clyde project? Right, but uh,
0: I think it's time to bring it back.
3: Well, I, I do too. It's it's um, it's funny, it's tuneful, it's uh, it's. Uh, you know, it it's not the the Wildhorn Frank. The Frank Wildhorn had one, and and uh, you know he's prone to everything's got to be a ballad and a big, uh, you know, nineteen eighties rock ballad right. kind of thing. And ours was was not that. Have it, you and it, Hunter totally totally different than, than what what he would have?
0: Have you and Hunter worked together since then?
3: No, nope. I I don't think that we no we've not done anything. <laughs> he's a busy
0: guy do you know i just read
3: he's, a, a, he's directing now
0: yeah i read uh, a crazy statistic uh his play clue he's not the only writer there's no. like five writers of it but that's the number one produced high school play in the country Is right it? now oh my gosh can you imagine the money I was just gonna from say. that well, i how mean many,
3: how many characters are in that
0: um you know as it's, many players it, as there are in the it, game of that's clue. why
3: it's, yeah but and you can throw in other things and bystanders as mm-hmm. well.
0: And it's safe yeah. for schools. It's yeah. you know PG rated and and so forth. I'm sure Milton Bradley gets a big cut of that too. But I when I read yeah. that I was like, "Oh, Hunter. Hello mm-hmm. daddy. <laughs> um how's your love life these days, Rick?"
3: Uh, Adam, since they cord out my prostate, it's uh Is that true? It's true. Since they did that, <laughs> it's it's, uh, eh. it's Listen, I'm 65 years old. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And I had that. Oh, by the way, you guys in your forties, especially in the gay community, listening, your prostate is a ticking time bomb underneath your your bladder. Yes. And uh, uh, not only do you have to watch out for potential cancer, but uh, also just the enlargement of it. Mm, yes. You know. And mine was enlarged. It was big enough to go to college. That's what I how I describe it. <laughs> You know, and it was pushing up against my bladder, and it was backing up into my kidneys, and so oh, you know, you know, it, we had to do that—the coring out thing of it. Which uh, I can still have an orgasm, but but nothing comes out anymore.
0: Well, that's okay. So, I well, would prefer that actually. Yeah.
3: yeah. And my my mm. urologist said, well, you know, you might have uh, a partner that objects to nothing coming out anymore. And I said, well, you know, listen, for what I pay them. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. They and take what I don't got. And, so, and I was well, I would say nothing comes out just like a flag that says bang.
0: Listen, this has never happened before in the history of the show, but I have got to run to the bathroom See, and we are live. So it's I'm gonna prostate. let you do oh ask me no questions and I will be back to it's finish up.
3: Yeah. So You're a hundred years old, like you know, like I am.
2: Adam loves to leave me, but it's good he's gotta run. So oh, I guess no, we're fine. gonna move to Ask Me No Questions.
3: Ask me no
1: questions. Ask
2: me no questions. Yeah. So do you remember from doing this a few uh, years ago, Ask Me No Questions? I,
3: I, it's a total blur. I have no idea. So I do remember be fun. doing this. You'll enjoy. The first All question,
2: right. where is the
3: craziest place you've ever had sex? Oh, let's see. Craziest place. I would say, hmm, crazy. I mean, c- cars, uh, j- 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 this shows you how active my love life is.
2: <laughs> Putting you on the spot to see to see what the craziest, or you could change it to warehouse.
3: I don't know a, a a warehouse, an abandoned warehouse. Oh, nice. Do you remember who it was with? No. <laughs> like, like I got a name. <laughs> you know, back then we Atta didn't girl. we didn't get names. <laughs> you know, it, no. There used to be these warehouses along. Uh, the West Hyde. Yeah. You know, down by Christopher Street and all this yep. warehouse. And it was all broken glass and stuff like that. Well, of course, you know, yeah. this is in the late 70s and early 80s. That's, you know. That Gays would hang out there and, and, and do things to each other. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, so that was kind of crazy.
2: That sounds fun.
3: It, uh, well, yeah. it it it, uh, it it could be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the danger made it more fun that's you always know. what makes it work oh fun. but uh, <laughs> all right so I'll say a warehouse i like the warehouse <laughs> j b do you have a... an abandoned warehouse uh,
1: craziest place uh-huh. um no uh, just atypical places cars uh-huh. outside parks you know just nothing crazy it's no funny funny when you get, oh oh oh, got, oh I got, have
3: one go for it i have one uh, uh i was my partner and I, at the time, we were on the PATH train coming home because no. yeah, we lived in Jersey, yeah. and and it was one of those days when it was completely packed. I mean, just people were shoulder to shoulder, and, and just face to face, just yeah. packed. And so we were facing each other, and, yeah. and, and I believe he uh, and I, I believe he started canoodling me. Stop! Uh, he, he had out the full Monty they're on the train but nobody could see cuz we were all yeah. packed together. What, you remember, what are we I talking about? We're talking
2: about number 1's craziest places ever had sex. Did you finish? Do you remember? I
3: don't think I yeah. I don't think I splooged on the path train.
2: That sounds like I Well, you couldn't now.
3: Now. <laughs> now I couldn't. Well, now my eyes would roll into the back of my head, but nothing would come out.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's the perfect that's why I would love to not have anything come out because then you can have sex in inappropriate places and not leave a trace. <laughs> sure. Sure. By the way, I am so sorry. It was either that or I would have shat my pants. This you're... coffee was like jet fuel. You know, see, here's, here's the thing. I, don't,
3: I don't know. You're, you're younger than I am. I'm 51. You're 51, so I'm like 15 years older than you, but uh, you must learn to have a one of those little portable urinals here. <laughs> it wasn't little... pee
0: that I needed to do. It was, oh, you had a. I would have literally shat myself if I wow. hadn't gotten up just now. Oh
3: my god! And and hem- with a hemorrhoid, I hear. Seven
0: Eleven coffee. It oh. does the job. Oh, that's never happened. <laughs> I really, I was like, can I hold it ten more minutes? I don't think I can.
3: All he right. Was, he we- was asking me about you know the weirdest place I've ever had, had sex and yeah and, 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 and no. Who it was. That's just it. I love when straight girls, when you tell them, say, oh, I, I hooked up with somebody last night. It's like, who oh, you're going to see him again? It's like, honey, I didn't see him the first time. It was dark. <laughs> <laughs> it was dark and I was behind him. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, next, next, next question. Inappropriate question. <laughs>
0: Which, this one's actually pretty straightforward. Which comedian has had the biggest influence on you?
3: Oh, um, uh, Richard Jenny. Mm. I worked with Richard Jenny uh, many times. Get a little closer to the mic. No, it <laughs> pretend me. it's a penis. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I would say that uh, in terms of the big, big thing, George Carlin. But I, you know, I was influenced early on by variety entertainers. And if you know my act, you know I, I do a lot of music and stuff like yes. that. So I like the old entertainers like Shaky Green and Danny Thomas and and, and these these guys who would come out and they would they would do jokes and then they would go into a song well or like we were talking
0: about billy crystal
3: yes billy crystal would certainly be a also an influence on me he was also influenced by the same thing yeah he actually came to see uh the bedwetter oh uh, really last a few days ago did he talk to you guys he did not talk to me because he went back to the theater i missed him after the show but his co-star in the show um one of the character guys told me that he that he actually howled at the Johnny Carson, so that was a great comedy oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. amazing, yeah, but I loved I loved all the variety entertainers, and you
0: I love you that know. too. I love that about you, actually, and that 's why I think you 're such a great yeah. host of comedy shows because there is a certain it 's hard to put your finger on i mean it 's not just that you can sing and play the piano and do all the things you can do there's a certain energy that says like, we're all here to have a party and I'm throwing the party I'm and throwing I'm going to make sure mm-hmm. that you're having a good time. Right. I
3: would watch, when I was growing up, I'd watch all the variety shows, you know, like the, even before the Carol Burnett show, there was the Danny Kaye show. Right. Oh, it was yeah. like, my world and welcome to it and, and it was, you know, so that's what I've always done. So I've never actually been, as I think now, after 45 years of doing comedy, I'm not a, I'm not a stand-up comic, I'm a variety entertainer who does stand-up comedy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's very very special. Cor-
3: yep. Like if you said to me, "Well, okay, Rick, you can do I can stand and talk for an hour if you if you need me to." Right. But you know, if, if I can't use the, the well, music you know wh- or because and- I feel like so many comedians it's theatrical.
0: so many even the best comedians, so many of them are fueled by rage. I don't really get a rage from you. I get more of like a like I just want to show you a good time. Yeah. Kind of a I thing. Agree.
3: It's a desperate cry for acceptance. On your <laughs> yeah. part. Yeah. I mean... It, well, uh, all
0: performers have that, yeah.
3: right? And it's, I don't know, maybe it's, it causes me to not express myself to the darkest places I could go, mm. but that's just not me.
0: What's a joke that you tell on stage that never fails?
3: That never fails?
0: Yeah. Like, what's your fail-safe line?
3: Um, let's see. Um... Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I've been I've been opening recently with uh, you know look how old this guy is because I come on and I go and I say I'm not like a cool old I'm not like a Bernie Sanders old and he's a cool old and, I, and then I go into this and I and go as he'll tell you he's a, how old am I will tell you how old I am when I'm with the school we didn't have history we just called it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right after the Big Bang, I said, What the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant.
0: Well, I, I always uh, quote the, the, your opener when you do a gay room. <laughs>
3: yes. Go ahead. You can tell it. No, you do it better. Uh, oh, well, I'd uh, say, yeah. uh, You know that uh, creepy old guy who follows you around the bathhouse? Hello again. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. uh, 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 I, <laughs> I love that you were telling that joke 20 years ago. 20 even, years even ago. Even then, you
0: were a creepy old guy. Oh. Uh, You've been a creepy just,
3: old guy since I was 25.
0: You did. <laughs> really? You did Sanders. You did Carson. What, 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 what are your other go to impressions?
3: Go to impressions? Well, most of them are dead now.
0: Yeah, well, that's oh what makes God. them funny. <laughs> just don't die on air and we'll
2: be good.
3: <laughs> uh, you're putting me on the spot now. Okay, all right. We'll, m- we'll move on. I don't on. have anything prepared, but uh, I'll come back next week. If all right, we, with impressions.
0: Very different topic. Describe the perfect ass.
3: I'm looking at it. Oh. Thank you. I didn't say asshole. I said oh. ass. <laughs> I don't like a hairy ass, nor do I. I I like a smooth bubble butt. Yes. Very, you know, some people like to get down there and munch the carpet, not me. I'm, I'm the not, same. I'm not going there unless it's it's a smooth.
0: Interesting. My, when I round. came out that was the that was supposed that was the quintessential ass was the hairless ass. Now I feel like people want to fucking braid that shit, and yeah, I am I, not, I, into I'm it. not into it. No, it's not no. clean.
3: And I was uh, I was never into like oh look at that ass look at it so much as as it was the cock. Mm-hmm. I was more of a cock person. I like interesting. I liked that. Even though I'm a, a top. Yeah, I know, always thought you were a top. Yeah, but I like who doesn't like the second deck every once in a while.
0: You know, some people don't. It's yeah, funny. I know, and
3: I don't understand it. They're the same people who won't kiss. I'm like, well, listen, if we're not kissing, yeah. get out.
0: Sometimes I want to <laughs> suck someone's dick, but I don't want to kiss them. I would agree with that. And vice versa. It kind of depends. Um, oh, well. In a similar vein, what's the best advice your mother ever gave you?
3: Don't put that in your mouth. <laughs> you listen so well. Real, no, Real. she didn't. She didn't know about that. Yeah. Really, I'm, sure, I'm sure she would have said, "Don't put that in your mouth" if she knew about that.
0: Something that stuck so, with you.
3: Oh, let's say you know my my mother gave you. Oh, you know, I she was uh, you know very supportive in the way of like. uh, just telling me like, nobody's better than you. Wow, you know, you're as you're as good as as anybody. You can do anything you want to do. That kind of support. How lovely. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's yeah. huge. I never got uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got. You have to work harder to please me. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> basically, no. basically that was the message no, of my uh, childhood. <laughs>
3: I'd uh, have to think about that. I suppressed a lot of that whole thing in therapy. Yeah. You know, but, uh,
0: <laughs> Mine is, uh, my the best advice my mother ever gave, honestly, is your two most important days of work are your first day and your last day. Yeah. You know, really impress them when you first get there and never burn bridges. Never leave yeah. a job or a situation with people pissed off at you right. because you never know when you're going to need them again.
3: Well, those are the things I, I learned too late. Yeah. Mm. I, I learned very much... Uh, in into my professional life yeah. that uh, you must always be pleasant and professional and your feelings should not conquer facts right you know? cuz you you can really ruin your career if you're if you're difficult to work with and you're not a huge star you're not going to get hired
0: well you're a joy yeah. to work with oh and the bedwetter joy- is currently running through when
3: through now extended through July tenth, fabulous so July tenth, and we'll, if, we'll be there. And hope. if you
0: are going to be in the New York area, you guys get tickets. Rick, how can people follow you online?
3: Uh, at R I C K C R O M on uh, on Instagram or Facebook.
0: Fabulous. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks Steve, for having Steve me. Stephen JB,
2: plug yourselves. Cub Mexi on Instagram and Steve Chisaro Medina on Facebook. At
0: Stocking at, at Anarchy 12, only on Instagram. Thank you both. We are back next week with the legendary journalist and media personality, Michael Musto. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Insta at adamsank and on TikTok at AdamSankOfficial. Email me at com. Happy Pride and have a great week, bitches.
4: Uh, Bye.